thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. And you can't talk about let's go until you talk about come in. And uh, so I'm going to be in that today. I'm going to throw you some curves today. As you've noticed on the back of your bulletin, there is a bucket load of Scripture. I mean a ton. So if you like the Word, come to the right house, okay? But here's the deal. I usually preach out of the NIV Bible today, and in this series, I'm going to preach out of the New King James because I like the way they say it. So we're going to pop that Scripture up on the screen for you if you don't have your Word, uh, but I want you to follow along. Um, in the NIV, the Word um, says duties, now, when I saw that, it made me ponder because, <laughs> because there's more to that word. There's got to be more. It's just a general statement used in the NIV called duties. I'm like, duties? There's more to that, I know. So I started studying that, and that's when I realized in the New King James what it says. I really love it because it absolutely unpacks that for us. And I'm going to tell you this is heavy, so you might want to buckle up, okay? Okay. Um, I want to ask you a question before I jump in. What did Solomon pray for? Come on. Now, yeah. Now, why? We're going to answer the why. I want you to go to your word. 1 Kings. And get ready. You better get ready because there's a lot of scripture. 1 Kings. Let's start in um, 1 Kings 3. Look at verse 5. 1 Kings 3. Verse 5, at, at Gibbon, the Lord, sp- the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and in righteousness, in an uprightness of heart with you. You have, you have continued this great kindness for him. And you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now watch verse 7. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child, and I do not know how to go out and come in. I want you to watch this. I want you to go to Numbers 27. Numbers 27. Keep that phrase in mind. I do not know how to go in and come out. Numbers 27, verse 15. Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the Spirit of all flesh, set man over the congregation, who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. I want you to keep that phrase going. Go to Deuteronomy. Keep rolling. Hope you like the word. Deuteronomy 31. Look at verses 1 and 2. Deuteronomy 31, verses 1 and 2. Then Moses went and spoke these words to all of Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today, and I can no longer go out and come in. I can no longer go out and come in. One more. Flip back a little bit. 
to Deuteronomy 28. Look at verse 6. Deuteronomy 28, 6. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Mm. How many of y'all are in the blessing? You like that? I like that. All right. Now, I want to show you something. Go New Testament, because I know some of y'all are like, that's all that Old Testament stuff, okay? All right, so just in case, because Old Testament is a literal picture, and the New Testament supports it spiritually, okay? So what we see in the Old Testament, we see in the spirit form in the New Testament, okay? It's literal Old Testament, and then this gives meaning to it. So I want you to look at John chapter 10, John chapter 10, and if you're into this stuff, this is in red, which means Jesus said it, not like he didn't say all of this, okay? But John 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I will go in and out and find pasture. You get the theme here? You come in and you go out. You come in and you go out. You come in and you go out. Now, I want to show you what this is for. Go back to Joshua. Go back to Joshua. We're all over the place, I know. Joshua. Go to Joshua. If I can find Joshua, we're in very good shape, okay? Joshua judges Ruth, okay? I don't know why he did that, okay? I don't know why he judged her, okay? Not here to define that, okay? Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Got to find Joshua, all right? All my markings, they're all over the place, all right? Joshua, go to 14. This is the why, because I ask you, what did Solomon pray for? You tell me wisdom, right? But why, okay? Joshua 14, 11. And yet I am strong this day as on the day Moses sent me. Just as my servant was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. What's the term for? War. Let me ask you something. Are we in a war? <laughs> we are in a flat-out war. Now, understand something. This phrase, coming in and going out, is a military phrase. Okay, when they used to go to war, they will fight against countries that defied the name of God, the one true God. All right, and they would go to war against these nations, and they wanted them to repent and bow down at the name of Jesus. Okay, that's what it is. And so, what these 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 kings would do is they would look and go, "Hmm, they're tired, tired, can't fight. Come in. Don't you go in there." You go worship. You go get refreshed. You go get renewed. And then you come back when you're ready, and I'll put you back in. But I can't let you go out until you've come in. It's a war. We are in a war. Not against, not against people. Against, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities. Okay? Against principalities. Okay? Now, I want you to go to our text today. 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. I know there's a lot of scripture. First Samuel, and we'll kind of camp here 
I say that. We won't be here long, but we'll camp for a little bit, okay? 1 Samuel 18, look at verse 12. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him captain over thousands. And he went out and came in before his people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. Because he went out and came in before them. I want you to see something. Coming in is worship. Going out is witnessing. My friends, listen to me. You've got to come in before you go out. You've got to come in for rest and to be refreshed. And then you go out. He told the disciples to go and preach to all the nations. But first, go to Jerusalem until you're empowered with the Holy Spirit. And then go. John's gospel tells us what? That we are the vine and he is the branches. Apart from him, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So if you go out before you come in, you do nothing. Do nothing. Pointless. Useless. It's all you. It's all you. He says you got to know how to come in and go out. And until you figure it out, you're going to struggle. Because we're so excited about doing all this stuff for God, but the greatest thing you can do for God is come in to his presence. Greatest thing. When you look at the scripture, number one point says, worship brings God's presence in our life. Worship brings God's presence in our life. Look at verses 12 and then 14 of the same text. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but he departed from Saul. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Look at 14. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Coming in to the presence of God, not going out from the presence of God. You, you remember my grandparents had a little old country church, a little Methodist church, and it had two big old white doors. You remember? I mean, I know it had another door on the side somewhere, but nobody ever went in that door. There was just one door that came in and went out. Y'all remember church like that? And so when we'd go, I was a little kid, and every time we would go and walk up, the preacher was there. And he'd say, how you doing? Welcome. Good to see you. Good to see you this morning. Good to see you. Good to see you. And then when we got ready to leave, he'd say, thank you for being here. God bless you. Good luck out there. No, that's not what he said. But he just said bye. And then, then I remember as a little kid sitting in the back seat of my grandparents' car, after everybody walked out, the preacher would go. He'd shut the door. Y'all remember a little church like that? And I thought, hmm, I wonder if he lives there. <laughs> and so the next, morning, next Sunday, we'd go, pull up, door open up. As a preacher, welcome, good to see you again. Been waiting seven days. Man, good to see you. Been waiting seven days to see you. Nice to see you. Good, good to see you. And then we got ready to leave. Doors shut. Preacher shut the door. Boom. He just shut it. Let me tell you something. 
I think sometimes we think the preacher represents Jesus to a lot of people. And when the preacher opens the door, you come in, and preacher shuts the door, you go out. Now, y'all wanted to say, see you later, good, have a good day, have a good day. And, and, and I'm like, preacher, you want, you want to go with us? No, no, no. I'll stay right here. I, I, I've been out there before. That didn't go very well for me. Uh, so I'm going to stay right in here. It's real safe in the church, and I had nothing to worry about. But see, a lot of people think that. We go in to church to his presence. And then when we go out of church, the presence is there, but we go out. The scripture is very important here. It says that you come in to his presence, and then you go out with his presence. Because you cannot go out without his presence. You've got to go out with his presence. Not from his presence, with his presence. I want to show you another scripture. It's good stuff here. Jeremiah. I want you to go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. I can tell you right now, you're going to be here a long time because the people are going to come in here because I'm not going to get done with all this. All right? So just get comfy. Jeremiah 17. Look at verse 19. Thus the Lord said to me, Go and stand at the gate of the children of the people by which the kings of Judah come in and by which they go out. And all the gates of Jerusalem. And say to them, Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah and all Judah. And all the inhabitants of Jerusalem who enter by these gates, thus saith the Lord, take heed of yourselves and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem, nor carry that burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day. Do no work, but hallow the Sabbath as I commanded your fathers. Let me show you something. You know what that means? The word worship means prostrate. Prostrate. Fall flat on your face before God. He says, here's what he says. I want one day a week. I'm not getting an argument of when the Sabbath is. Saturday or Sunday, what is it? Midnight, Friday. No, I'm not talking about that. He says, I want one day a week. Well, you admit to me you can't carry this burden. Well, you absolutely fall prostrate on the ground before me. Let me tell you something. The enemy doesn't want that to happen. When I was learning to worship and lift my hands, I remember being a staff guy and lifting my hands, and I remember having these thoughts. You know, you met that family, and those youth came today, and if they see you lift your hands, they're going to think you're one of them freaky little youth guys, and their kids are going to leave. They're going to take their kids out of your church. I mean, one time I was at college, and we had a thing called timeout. And I, I was in worship, and all of a sudden, I just felt God saying, you need to prostrate yourself. And so I got down, and I started to bow down. And the enemy put this thought in my head, your underwear is showing. <laughs> I jumped back up real fast. I'm going to tell you something. The enemy does not want you to biblically worship. Does not. I'm sorry. Y'all like, that preacher's just weird. I'm just telling you right now. You ever had that thought? What are they thinking? I, I got down in a spirit of worship. I got down biblical worship, prostrate before the Lord, and the enemy goes, you know where it's showing? And I pounced right back up. I missed what he had for me. 
I did. Enemy one sucked me up from the floor just like that. I want one day a week that you can admit to me you can't carry it. I'm going to say something to you. It'd be really good we as his kids could walk in one day a week on a Sabbath, on a Sunday, in worship. And we fall down on our face and we say, God, oh my gosh, that's too much, man. I cannot carry this any longer. I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. I know I live in Texas. I'm supposed to be tough. I'm supposed to cowboy up. I'm supposed to suck it up and all this stuff. No, I I can't, man. I can't. I can't. That's what Solomon did. He said, my dad can do this, but I don't know how to do this. I got to know how to come in to the presence. So then I can go out with the presence. Come on. I'm telling you, church, until we figure that out, we're going to go out there in our own strength, and the enemy is going to kick our tail. Kick our tail. Let's keep rolling. Number two, worship brings God's fear in our lives. Go back to Samuel. Go back to our text. I want you to see something. Samuel, 1 Samuel 18, verse 12. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. Verse 15, therefore when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. You ever seen those movies? We got this little scrawny guy, you know, he walking down the street and out of the alley come these big old dudes. They're like trying to rough him up. They got him Checking with him. And all of a sudden, his big, big friend walks up. How you boys doing? Oh, we're fine. What's going on here? Oh, we just we just straightening up his collar. He, he his collar a little messed up, and we just wanted to straighten his stuff up a little bit. And then they'll walk off. You know why? That's just you and me walking in this big old world. Because we walk down these roads. And the enemy comes out and starts messing with us. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, is there a problem here? Is there a problem here? Oh, Jesus, we're, we're just straightening his collar. He's straightening his collar up. He's going to church, worship. He's coming in, and then he's about to go out. And so we're going to straighten him up. You better get your little punk self out of here. Don't mess with my kids. See, say, listen to me. What, what Solomon knew about David was this. That dude had power, and because of the Jesus in him, the enemy feared him. He ain't scared of you. Well, don't mess with me, Jesus. I'm, don't mess with me, enemy. I'm going to church, and my dad's a deacon. Oh, a deacon? Oh, man, I don't want to mess with him. Come on, man. Who, is, who scares the enemy? Jesus. Jesus does. I know we got a lot of things about fear of God. Fear of God is reverence in all. Okay? Respect of God. Okay? Not a fear like that. But what Saul, remember Saul at this time, he had an evil spirit in him. So when you worship, my friends, it brings about the fear of God. When you prostrate yourself on the floor before God, 
you stand up with an all-new reverence and awe of who that God is. You see what David did? He grabbed his harp. He started strumming it in worship. And the spirit that was in Saul fled. <laughs> Why? Because David was there? Mm-mm. Because Jesus in David was there. Let me tell you something. You, you want the fear of God in your life? Worship brings the fear of God. And it'll make the enemy tremble. Okay? Now, you can think it's you. That's fine. But it's not you. It's the him in you. It's the great I am that's in you that makes him tremble. We got a row. Third one is this. Worship brings God's wisdom in our lives. Worship brings God's wisdom in our lives. Look at 1 Samuel 14, that 18, 14. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Let me ask you something. You ever need wisdom? Come on. Every day, my friend. Every day. You want, you want to be wise? Worship. Worship. The presence of God brings the wisdom of God. The presence of of God brings the wisdom of God. I want you to go to a text. Go to Second um, mm, Chronicles. Go to Second Chronicles. At this time, this is the Queen of Sheba. She was one bad chick. Okay? One bad chick. She had heard about Solomon. She said, I need to meet this dude. I heard about him. All right? Now, Queen of Sheba, this is uh, 1 Chronicles 9, I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles 9, chapter 1. 1 Chronicles 9, chapter 1. Now, when Queen Sheba heard the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with hard questions, having very great retinue, camels, bore spices, gold in abundance, precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke to him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all of her questions there, and there was nothing so too difficult for Solomon that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the setting of his servants, the service of his waiters, the apparel, the cupbearers, and all the apparel, and his entryway into which he went up to the house of the Lord... There was no more spirit in her. You know what that means? There was no more argument in her. I want you to watch 5 and 6. And then she said to the king, It was true, it was a true report when I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe their words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half of the greatness of your wisdom was not told to me. You exceed the fame in which I heard. Woo! I heard about you, but it didn't even dawn on me the wisdom of you, Solomon, until I walked in and saw your entryway into the house of the Lord. Until I saw how you came in. Oh, buddy. Once I saw how you came, I already knew how you went out. 
I already knew how you went out. But oh, when I saw in my eyes how you come in, mm, that did it. That did it. You see, my friends, you might think they're impressed with how you go out. But what leaves them in awe is when they see how you come in. Are you coming in? Because when you come in, my friends, <laughs> you never leave the same. I want you to see a scripture. This will mess you up. You ain't seen this before, I bet you. Go to Ezekiel. You can go to Concordance and look it up if you need to. I would, all right? But don't miss it. 773 in my Bible, all right? Go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 46, verse 9. This is good stuff here, boys and ladies. Verse 9, Ezekiel 46. But when the people of the land come before the Lord on the appointed feast days, whoever enters by the north gate to worship shall go out the way of the south gate. And whoever enters by way of the south gate shall go out the way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate through which he came, but shall go out through the opposite gate. Woo! Y'all not excited because you don't know what's coming. Let me tell you something. When you enter, when you enter through one gate, you are taught to go out through the other gate. Now, if it's too below and your car's on this side, it didn't matter back then. Okay, you go out the opposite gate to get there. Here's what he's trying to tell you. Here's what the scripture's saying. When you come in to the presence of God, you will go out different than you came in. Come on. When you come in to the presence of God, you will go out differently. If you don't go out differently then you never came in. You say, well, preacher, I, we come in the church every Sunday, 52 a year. But do you walk out different 52 a year? Because too many times, my friend, I'm afraid we walk out the same way we walked in. And you not only wasted your time, but you wasted his. Listen to me. If you enter the south gate, you go out the north gate. It is a visual, literal picture that a man in the presence of the king ought to be a changed man. Today, before we can ever talk about going out, we got to talk about coming in. Let me ask you this morning, how are you coming in? How's your coming in today? We can't worship again. How's your worship right now? How's your worship going to be Monday morning? Are you going to come in Monday morning before you go out Monday morning? Because if you do, you'll come in one door to worship. You'll go out another door. And when you walk into that office, I'm going to tell you right now, you'll look different. You'll have the 
You'll have Shekinah glory. There'll be a fear of God on you. There'll be wisdom in you that you didn't even know you had. And all of a sudden, people try to trick you with questions and ask you stuff and rattle you, and you'll be as smooth as the sea. How's you coming in this morning, church? How's you coming in? I hope and pray that whatever door you came in, that the opposite door you go out represents a changed life. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, that's a lot of word. I pray you brought revelation to your people today. Father, if you entered through the south gate this morning, I pray that we go out the north gate. That we go out different than we came in. Father, this morning, I want you to speak and speak only to each of us about our coming in. Lord, how's my coming in today? How do I come in? Do I, do I come in? I guess this is the question. Is there one day a week that I lay it down? Or do I always try to carry everything? I'm no good in a war for you doing that. So, Father, this morning, I pray you bring us to our knees prostrate at this altar and we lay it down. And we don't take it back. Father, if there's people here that say, this is my church home, I know that. That they'd come this morning during our invitation time. But God, you move us for your glory. Don't let us go out the same way we came in this morning. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to ask you to